Um, hey, I want to share with you this morning another story uh, about myself. Last week I talked about high school. This week I want to talk about college, one of my college experiences. Uh, my hallmates and I put together an intramural basketball team. And here's the deal. We were good. Like, we were really good, and we knew we were really good. We had shooters and rebounders and people that can handle the ball. And it was kind of crazy because these other guys we knew on these other teams, they came up to us, and they said, hey, we're probably playing for second place. And we were like, yes, yes, you are. You are playing for second place. Well, the season came, and if you know much about intramurals in college, you know it's pretty quick. I think there was eight games. Uh, we were 8-0. We won every game by kind of a, a big margin. Maybe one game was five points. Everything else was over 10 points. And so we're like, man, we're going we're gonna to skate through the season, which we just did, and we're going to skate through this, the championship, the tournament, and we're going to win everything and get our little intramural T-shirt. We played our first game, uh, the quarterfinals. We crushed the team that we were playing. But then the semifinals, we end up playing this team that was made up of our school's soccer players, okay? Now, I don't know what you know about soccer players. I've already been attacked by one after I said this earlier in the first service. But um, soccer players have really nice legs. Basketball is usually not their best sport, right? Well, we've got this team. We're playing these soccer players, and we're like, man, we are making it to the championship. This is going to be so easy. The game starts, and uh, we're having a rough time. We're having a hard time shooting and rebounding, but we're scoring, and, and we actually end up at halftime leading, but not by a whole lot. Second half begins, and again, soccer players, they're not only do they have nice legs, but man, soccer players, if you're a soccer player, you're in shape, right? We weren't really in that great of shape. And so we start playing the second half. We start shooting, and we can't hit anything. So there'd be a rebound, and we try to go get the rebound. Here come this little short soccer player as fast as light, and grab the rebound, run down the other side of the court, hit layup. We're like, oh, it's going to be like that. Got the ball. We came back down. We shot. We missed. We go for the rebound. The soccer player grabs it. And it's the whole second half. It's the same way. The, the whistle blows at the end of our game, and we, we won. We're not losing to soccer players. <laughs> We lost to the soccer player team. We actually did. <laughs> they beat us. And um, I need you to know something about me. And uh, I don't think I've expressed this in my five-plus years here. I'm very competitive. <laughs> like, I hate to lose. Now, thankfully, probably in the last 10 years or so, maybe a little longer, I've learned sports are great. and You can be competitive while you're playing them. But who cares at the end, right? Win or lose, you go home, you enjoy your family, you, you do whatever you need to do. Well, back in the day, that wasn't me. Uh, back in the day, if it was on the, the baseball field, soccer field, uh, well, no, I didn't play soccer, but um, uh, the, the basketball courts, the golf course, man, if we were playing Uno, like if I lost, I get kind of upset. We lost to the soccer team in the semifinals, and I was a little bit upset. Uh, some of you may remember back to 1985 when Bobby Knight, coach of the Indiana Hoosiers, threw a chair. Uh, across the gym floor during the middle of a basketball game. Yeah, some of you remember that. But um, I didn't throw a chair. I just want to let you know that. But I did kick one really hard all the way across the basketball court because I was so upset. Uh, we told this story to my kids, to Kara and our, our kids, a couple of, um, not too long ago, a few months back. And Kara said, I almost broke up with your dad on that night. <laughs> Thankful for grace and mercy and forgiveness, right? Why am I telling you all that? Well, here's why I'm telling you all that. Today we continue our series called The Creature Within, and we are talking about anger. 
We're going to talk about anger. Now, before we get there, let me kind of give you a recap if you haven't been here through this series. Uh, The very first week, we read this passage from Jesus, and Jesus says, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And so who we really are, it lurks down deep inside of us. And so often it's waiting to pounce. It's, it's waiting to jump out. We, we think we've got it under control. We think we've got it tamed. We think we've got it pushed down far enough, but it's still there. And so we've talked about guilt. We've talked about jealousy. And today I want to spend our time talking about anger. Now you and I, we know anger. We know anger when we see it. We know anger when we hear it. And it's interesting today because it seems like everybody is angry, right? Everybody is angry. Everybody is mad. And don't even talk to me about the last 19 months when it comes to masks and no masks, vaccines, no vaccines, open up the church, don't open up. I mean, all this kind of stuff. I mean, people are just mad and angry. But do you realize that so often... You're angry too. See, it's so easy for us to look at the world we live in and say they're angry about religion. They're angry about politics. They're angry about uh, you know, driving. They're angry about sports and relationships. And, and we forget to look internally at ourselves. And so that's why this morning we're going to focus on you. We're going to focus on me as we talk about this creature within us called anger. Well, as we get started today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that comes out of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be spending some time. This is written by a guy named Paul. Uh, Paul writes this letter to this church in Ephesus. Lots of encouragement in here, but he's also teaching them a few things. And he he talks about anger here in Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 26. He says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Here's Paul who says, Anger doesn't have to control you. It doesn't have to be this emotion that you are defined by. It doesn't have to be this this thing that you're known as. Because you know if people are angry, they're known as angry people, right? When you talk about them behind their backs, which you're not supposed to do, but when you do, you talk about this anger that they seem to hold so deep inside of them. But we're not called to be angry people. We're called to be different than that. And yet so often we find we are angry. Now, there are two types of angry people, uh, and you may fit into one of these categories. There are the spewers, okay? Now, a a spewer is a person that expresses their anger. Like, when they get mad, they don't count to ten. They just let it all out. It's outward. It's quick. You spew it out. You're probably known to have a short fuse. Uh, You're probably known to have a hot temper. Because when you get angry everyone around you knows it. Why? Because you don't hide it. You just let it out. And so maybe you fall into that category of a spewer. Others of us, we may fall into the category of a stewer. Like we don't let it out as soon as we're angry. We, we stew on this anger. We, we suppress it. And, and if you're a person who, who's a stewer, you don't talk about it. It's deep down inside, and that anger just smolders. It's, it's kind of like lava in a volcano, right? It's, it's in there, and it's, it's spewing around, and it's all over the place inside. Now, people may look at you and like, man, you got your stuff together. You, you look like you're happy all the time. You're like, yes, I am. But, but deep down, that anger is there. Now, if you're a steward, a couple things may happen. You may be a person that stews so long that that, that, 
that lava gets to this place, it's got to let the pressure out. And so you may be calm, cool, and collected for a long time, but then something happens and blah, you, you let it out. You spew it out in that moment. But a lot of times if you're a steward, you hold on to that anger. You never express it. You never deal with it. It's deep down inside of you. But if you're a steward, you probably have this long list of people that you feel have done you wrong. That, that there's this long list of people that have hurt you. And you, you keep that record in your mind as you stew on this anger that is inside of you. But let me say this. Whether you're a spewer or a stewer, neither one of those are healthy. They're not healthy for you, and they're not healthy for anyone else. And maybe you find yourself in one of those two areas, and if you do, here's what I will tell you. As Paul said, your anger is controlling you. But Paul says you can't live that kind of life. Here's what he says in the rest of verse 26. He says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, back in Paul's day, this was a proverb that was used quite frequently. And so he's using this popular saying as he's, he's writing out these words of encouragement, as he's trying to teach these people in this particular church. The idea is you got to carry your anger for as short a time as possible. Now, if you're a spewer, you're like, I got that down pat. That's not what he's saying here, okay? And he's also not saying stew on it for so long that someday it just explodes. He's like, look, you have to take your time in this. You, you have to think through this, that you have to learn to control your anger in such a way that you can deal with it again in a healthy way. Now, this particular piece to this passage, if you're familiar with those words there in verse 26, we use this a lot in marriage relationships. But the reality is Paul's not writing this to a marriage relationship. He's writing this to all relationships that, that you and I may have, that we need to have this healthy dialogue. We, we have to be prepared so we can deal with our anger in a healthy way. Uh, I, I don't know if Paul connected back to this, but I think James 1.19 puts it so well. James writes, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, now I, don't, I don't know how deep your anger is. I don't know how big that creature is within you, but there's really good advice right here that James gives. He says, hey, be quick to listen. Hear what other people have to say. But then he says, be slow to speak. Too often we're quick to speak and, and slow to listen. And that's where this anger comes from. But you know what? If we're quick to listen and slow to speak, you know what happens with that anger? It doesn't explode. In fact, we can get to this place, I believe, where we never, never get to this, this moment of anger because we've taken these steps that we find here with James. And so Paul says, don't let the sun go down while you are angry. But then look at what he says in verse 27. He says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Uh, this word foothold here, it means an opportunity. Um, or, or better yet, it means it's, it's a room, right? Paul's saying, don't let this creature within you, don't let this, this creature of anger, don't give it a guest room in, in your heart. Because you know what happens when you give people a guest room and they don't ever leave, right? They eat all your food, uh, they, they take up all your time, I mean, they do all these different things, and at some point, they've taken over the whole, the whole house. He, here's Paul, who's like, here's the deal, guys, you've got to kick out anger like you need to kick out your 44-year-old son who still lives in the basement of your home. 
Like you've got to kick it out. You can't give it space. You can't give it this room. Kick it out of your system. Kick it out of your relationships. Kick it out of your life. Don't let anger stick around because the longer you do, the more of a foothold it has and the more opportunity it has to really become something you can't even feel like you can control. And so Paul's like, give it away. Get rid of it. Don't give it a place to stay. As we kind of think through what Paul writes here in these first few verses in chapter 4 that we're looking at, I want to stop for a second because it really leads to this question that I believe is important we have to answer when it comes to the creature of anger. It's where does my anger come from? Think about that. Where does your anger come from? Here's what some people will say. They'll say, my, my anger comes from my DNA, right? Like, I, I'm just created to be angry. And so I'm just an angry person. It's in my molecules. It's in my atoms. <laughs> no, that's not where it comes from. Others will say, my anger is generational. You know, my dad was angry, and his mom was angry, and his, her granddad was angry. And so it's just this generational thing that, that, you know, I just can't get beyond. It's like, no, that's not where it comes from. Uh, some of us think that, uh, the, that anger is a spiritual gift that we're supposed to find somewhere in the Bible, right? We, we treat it that way, like, I'm going to share my spiritual gift of anger with you. No, that's definitely, definitely not in the Scripture. But not only, see, none of these are good, but yet we use them as excuses. And we express this anger in unhealthy ways. We spew our anger. We stew on this anger. We, we carry this baggage with us all of our life the reality is where does this anger really come from well i can tell you where our anger comes from it comes from our past now now this may be a relationship that is many years beyond us it, it may be a relationship that, that that's kind of broken apart recently but but something has happened in our past that that makes us this angry person that we are today Someone took your reputation. Someone took your childhood. Someone took your family. They took your job. They took your marriage. They took something from you. And because of that, you have this anger that's inside of you right now. And for many of us, what we've done is we've carried that anger from our childhood to our adolescence, from our adolescence to our adulthood. We've carried it from that first marriage to that second marriage. We've carried it from that season of life to, to this season of life. We've never dealt with that anger. And if we were honest, we would realize that anger comes from a relationship of some sort in our past, and it's still present. And the longer we don't deal with the anger, the more issues that arise in our life. It's not just this emotion that we express that leaves wounds all around us. There's physical things that happen, uh, high blood pressure, heart attacks, strokes, because we never deal with our anger. Uh, there's mental health issues of anxiety and depression, maybe even suicidal thoughts. You know what? Sometimes that comes from this anger and this relationship, things that happened in our past. And even think about our spiritual life. We can't grow in our faith with, with God. We, we can't grow in our, our connection to Jesus when we're continually angry. And so it not only affects us and who we are in these relationships, but it affects all these different areas of our life. 
the, these wounds that, that we have in ourselves, we, again, we experience them physically and spiritually and mentally, but then, then it begins to influence every other relationship we have. And we leave wounded people around us because we've never dealt with the wound that was there. Well, how do we deal with that? Well, Paul gives us some ideas in verse 31. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. We live in a transient area here. Uh, you know, we just prayed just a moment ago for the Franks. Um, you know, here at the journey, we expect about 100 to 125 of you to move between the times of about April, May through August, right? We have a huge uh, military population, probably 40, 45% of our church is military, but it's just a transient area. The Franks have been here 22 years, and we're like, hey, they're going to be here forever. Well, nope, they're gone, right? We've had a couple of families that we've seen that happen to this year, but it's just part of the norm. But what do we do when we move? We purge. Now, now I'm not talking about the movie franchise, okay? So, although that would fit great with this series we're in. I'm talking about we get rid of stuff. We purge our stuff. Because when we live in a house for a little period of time, or an apartment, a townhouse, wherever it may be, we start to look around like, you know what? I, I really don't need this anymore. I can get rid of these shirts from college that have holes in them. That, look, they don't even fit me anymore. I really do need to get rid of them. We, we can get rid of that. Or we can say, hey, my, my kids are older. They've got kids. I don't think this 1975 retro crib is even legal today. I mean, it doesn't have sides on it. So, you know, we can get rid of this. And so we move and we begin to purge our home. We, we start to get rid of things that we have. When I look at Paul's words here, that's really what he's saying. He's like, hey, you need to purge yourself of what anger brings. You need to get rid of these things that are there. But do you know what we do? Instead of getting rid of it, instead of purging it, we defend our anger. We, we say things like, hey, you know, I'm who I am today. It's, it's my parents' fault. It's, it's a part of who I am. This has been passed on for, for generations. Or, hey, if you lived my life, if you experienced what I experienced, you would be angry too. And so we defend anger. We give anger a pass. We, we lay the blame somewhere else. And I'm not saying there's truth in, not saying tr there's not truth in what you're saying. I'm just saying we, we, ha we haven't figured out how to deal with this anger that's deep inside of us. But Paul's like, I got an idea. Get rid of it. Purge yourself of it. Get rid of that bitterness towards that person. Get rid of that rage you have because of that particular circumstance. Get rid of those harsh words that you keep saying about those people and you keep sharing and wounding other people with. Get rid of the slander. Because when you're angry, you talk poorly about the people that you feel like have hurt you. Get rid of that. Paul's like, you have to get rid of these things in your life. You've got to purge yourself of all these things and emotions that, that anger brings up. And he says, here's how you deal with that. Look at verse 32. He says, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I read those words right there from Paul, and I think this is the absolute worst advice I've ever heard in my entire life, right? Because, because we look at our past and we're like, no, anger is the right emotion here. I should be angry. I should be allowed to, to keep this anger. I have a right to have this anger. And, and here's what Paul says. Paul says, no, 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 you don't. He says, get rid of it, purge it. He's like, hey, by the way, be kind to those people that hurt you. 
He says, be tenderhearted, which means to be sympathetic, be compassionate, be, be loving towards them. And oh, by the way, those last few words, he says, and be forgiving. And we read those words and we wonder, was Paul, was he being serious? And, and you know what? Paul was. He was serious when he wrote those words that this is how we should deal with anger. But again, we have a hard time getting rid of this anger. We have a hard time dealing with it. And I think it's because of the way we see anger. We sort of see anger as this debt-debtor relationship. Like, you did this to me, and now you owe me. You hurt me. Uh, here's these circumstances. Here's these things that happen. Uh, here's the kind of parent you were. You weren't the dad you were supposed to be. You, your mom, you weren't there at my wedding. Uh, you didn't do these things in this relationship. You left me for that person. And so we, we look around and like, because you hurt me, here's the deal. You owe me. And in fact, until you pay me back, whatever that may be in our mind, I'm going to seek out revenge on you which means I'm going to be bitter at you. I'm going to have this rage. I'm going to share these harsh words. I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about you when I talk to other people because you owe me. And when we go through life feeling like someone owes us because of something that has happened in our past, like I said earlier, it doesn't just affect that relationship we have with them. It oozes into every relationship we have. And that anger begins to leave wounds in other people in our life. And it's because we've never dealt with anger in a healthy way. Paul says, here's how you deal with anger. You're kind to them. You're sympathetic. You're compassionate. You're loving. And oh, by the way, here's the most important thing. You have got to cancel that debt you got to get to this place where you say that you are forgiven and your account is closed. Now, if you are a person who knows where that anger comes from, you hear these words and you think to yourself, this is impossible. And maybe, well, definitely it's hard. But how do we get to that place? Well, let me share with you a few ideas of how we get there in dealing with our anger that we have. Now, let me just say this. We could do a whole four or five weeks on anger, right? We could be focused on anger. There's anger in all different aspects, and we could talk about all these different ways, but I'm, I'm kind of specific today. I, I'm talking to those uh, of us that have this, this baggage that is, is there, and it, it's come from a relationship, right? And it's come from somebody else. It's, it's this the stuff that we carry with us that we just don't know how to get rid of because it's been so hurtful and so painful. And it's brought about this anger. So I'm talking specifically to you right now. Here are some steps I believe we can take to get to this place of, of being healthy and, and really where Paul talks about here. Here's step number one. Step number one says this, identify who you're angry with. Sometimes we're so angry we don't even know who we're angry with. We're just angry at everybody. But I'm telling you, if you go back and you look at your past, you're going to find that moment in time, that experience, that circumstance, that person, that group of people that started you down this path. Who is that? See, sometimes as we get older, we disassociate from that. We, we block that out. We forget about that because of, I mean, the horrific experiences we've had. But, but you know what we have to begin to do? We have to begin to remember where that anger started. Because it's affecting us personally and it's affecting our relationships we're in. So you start by identifying who you're angry with. 
But then step number two says this, decide what was taken from you. Uh, you feel like something is missing. You, you feel like you are owed something. And so what was it that was taken from you? So once you identify who that person is, you got to remember back to what was it that was taken from you? Was it your childhood? Was it your time? Was it relationship? Was it healthy relationship? Something is taken from you. What was that thing that was taken from you? And here's what you do. You make a list of those items. You, you say, hey, here's the person who hurt me. Here's who I'm angry with. And here's a list of, it could be one thing, it could be multiple things. But you've, you've made this list and you said, here's what I feel has been missing. Here is why I'm angry. Which then leads us to step number three. You cancel the debt. You cancel the debt. This is the point where you have to decide do I want to be a person who is always angry? Do I want to be a spewer? Do I, I want to be a, a steward? Do I want to be known as an angry person? Do I want to continue to leave people wounded in every relationship I'm in? Or, or do I want to find peace? Do I want to find the healing that I need? Well, do you know what? The only way to do that is to get to this place where we cancel that debt, just like Paul talks about. Now, how do we do that? Let me throw out a couple of ideas, uh, especially for those that, that find themselves in the midst of this, and this is where you are in your life. Here's the first thing I would say. One of the best things you can do, and it'll be the hardest thing you do, is to sit down face-to-face -face with that person that you identified in step one. You, you, you sit down face-to-face. -face, maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's FaceTime. You do something of that nature. But you sit down, and you have that call, and you tell them, hey, I need to share this information with you. I've been angry at you. This is why our relationship is torn and broken. And by the way, let me share with you what I feel was taken from me. And you're open and honest with and you share that information. Uh, another idea, because I, I know sometimes um, in these situations, you've actually got to protect yourself. Uh, because of what happened in the past, you've got to protect your family. So another idea is you write a letter. You write a letter to that person that, that hurt you, that person that brought about this, this pain and anger in your life, and you share with them. You're like, hey, here's why this tension's here. This is why I've been upset. Here's what you've taken from me. And by the way, both times, here's what you say at the end. I'm forgiving you. Those are huge, huge words. Those are powerful words, and they're hard words to write and hard words to say, but if we're going to find this peace, that's what we have to do. And so you write that letter, and you know what you do? You send it to them. You send it to them. You send that letter to them, and, and you get that information to them. Now, there's one other way you can do this. One other idea is that, um, again, for protection's sake, for you and your family, you write that same letter. You put in what, what was missing, what was taken from you. You write in, I forgive you. And because of the situation that you've experienced in your life, you go to your fire pit. You take that letter, you light it, you throw it in the fire pit, and you celebrate that you've got this peace now because you've forgiven that person that's hurt you. Now listen to me. You can't control how they respond, but you've taken the higher road. You've taken the right road. You've dealt with this anger that's in your life. You can't, you can't whatever they respond, that's up to them. And sometimes they might not respond the way that you want them to. But you know what you do? <laughs> you go back to what? Paul wrote, you don't write this letter with anger. You, you, you don't send this letter full of anger. You don't have this conversation face-to-face -face where you're angry the whole time. 
You meet with them, you write these letters, and you do it, and you are kind, and you are sympathetic, and you're loving, and you're compassionate, and in the end you say, I forgive you. And you might be surprised how many times they come back to you and say, oh, I didn't know I did that. I, I didn't know that's what I had done. You know what? Please forgive me. These are really hard steps to take. And, and I know for some of us, our anger is not that deep. But I do know that for there are probably quite a few of us that we've experienced that kind of hurt and pain. And we have that struggle in our life. And here's Paul who says, look, don't hold on to that. you got to let it go. you got to get rid of it. Don't let it have this guest room in your heart. Instead, be compassionate and loving and kind and be forgiving. When we get to this place of forgiving other people that have hurt us in our life, we'll stop wounding others around us. And we'll find this peace that I think God really wants for our lives that we have to be willing to take these kind of steps to move forward.